When children are put on puberty blockers, in almost all cases, this leads to cross-sex hormones. And the risks are now becoming clear. Sterility, depression, lifelong... Using drugs to pause puberty for children questioning their gender has become one of the most controversial and polarising topics of our time. For some, a medical scandal. You go to the professionals and you're like, look, I'm just a parent, I don't know what's going on, can you please help me? And then after a couple of hours, they're on the pathway to help. But for others, life-saving. If you don't give these children help, they're going to find another way. Especially when but despite clinics administering so-called puberty blockers to children for a quarter of a century, little is known about their long-term effects. Now, a new analysis seen by Newsnight sheds some light in this much-debated but little-understood area of children's medicine. Puberty blockers work on the brain to stop the release of sex hormones. That then prevents things like periods and breast growth in girls and Adam's apples and breaking voices in boys. These drugs aren't licensed to be used this way. They're approved to treat prostate and other cancers, endometriosis and to chemically castrate sex offenders. In children, they're only approved to delay the onset of early or precocious puberty where NHS England says the evidence base is strong and the clinical approach is not contested. The lack of a robust evidence base for their use in treating gender dysphoria has led to a radical rethink by the health service. Puberty blockers will no longer be routinely given to children on the NHS, only to those taking part in clinical trials. This more cautious approach is happening in other European countries too. It was first of all when I was doing the book and then um, later on when we were doing the analysis. Of David Friedman is a retired social science researcher. In the 1990s, he edited a book on young people with gender dysphoria with the founder of the Tavistock's Gender Identity Development Service, or GIDS. He then carried out an audit of children who'd been referred to GIDS up to that point. Where they would differed from the general population was um, in areas such as disrupted home life, areas around sexual abuse, living in children's homes. Um, and then there was um, a great deal of associated psychopathology, uh, emotional upsets and disturbances and things like that, much more than you would have found in um, the general population. What was the purpose of the audit in your mind? I assumed that from the work we'd done, that we had given a basis for further audits and research uh, that would then, they'd have had a baseline uh, to compare with. That's not what happened. This first comprehensive audit would seemingly be Jids's last too. I first spoke with David Friedman about it last year. I remember my jaw dropped on the end of the phone. You hope and assume that as part of the skill and part of the clinical decisions that are being made in the care of your children, that it's being made based on the best available evidence and that that evidence is as up to date as possible. And it seemed to me that this had stopped happening um, at the JIDS. I felt children were, were actually being abused, that they were not, they were being entrusted to a service that was not 
offering the best possible treatment to them. Um, and I felt completely alone. I didn't know what to do. What David did next was to contact Professor Susan McPherson, one of three others who'd carried out the JIDS audit with him so many years before. And so I looked her up and found that she's now uh, a university professor um, and that she has a special interest in looking at the outcomes of mental health treatments and looking at change over time. Um, and uh, I wrote her a very polite email, Dear Professor McPherson, I don't know if you remember me. And then we met and we just talked. As they talked, they were drawn back into research together, this time on puberty blockers. The pair reanalyzed a landmark JIDS and University College London Hospital study of 44 12 to 15 year olds given puberty blockers. In 2021, the team reported there'd been no changes in psychological function, no benefit, no harm. Despite that, back in 2014, the study was used to justify a permanent shift to making blockers available at much younger ages. The JIDS and UCLH team stressed that although they couldn't show any benefit to these young people of being on puberty blockers, it was also the case, and I'm quoting, it is unlikely that the treatment resulted in psychological harm. The study used scores from reliable and widely used parent and child questionnaires that assess children's behavioural and emotional problems. As is a standard way of looking at data, the official results were based on averaging these scores. We both, in talking, basically said, well, in this situation, the mean is essentially meaningless because if you've got 44 young people, let's say, and let's say over a period of time, 11 do extremely well on the puberty blocker. 11 do quite well, 11 do extremely badly, and 11 do quite badly, and you make an average, you get, oh, no change. The Tavistock have made the study's raw data available to others. When McPherson and Friedman reanalyzed it, exploring changes at an individual level, they found something very different. The mental health of the majority of children was significantly impacted, for both good and bad. After 12 months of puberty blocker injections, 34% had deteriorated, 29% had improved, 37% were unchanged. To be clear what this means, a child who deteriorated could be moving from being psychologically well to meeting criteria for a psychiatric diagnosis such as depression or anxiety. A child who improved could be moving from needing mental health treatment to being considered well. Well, the big difficulty is that you lose sight of the individuals. Professor Chris Evans is a retired psychiatrist and psychotherapist. He's an expert in the statistical method used in this new paper. It's called Reliable and Clinically Significant Change. This is a much less used technique, but it's actually a very respectable technique. It's probably been used in hundreds or thousands of studies. It goes back to people saying, well, actually, practitioners tend to be more interested in what happens to individuals. What they found was there's a huge amount of diversity here, far more than we'd expect just from measurement unreliability alone. And that, in a sense, is a pretty vital complement to the first report. 
what neither the original research paper nor this new analysis can tell us is why these young people fared so differently. We can't infer cause and effect either. We can't say that these changes in well-being were caused by being on the puberty blockers because of the way the study was designed without a control group. Plus, it's a small study of just 44 young people. But despite these limitations, this new analysis raises important questions and certainly suggests the need for more research, both into this specific group of 44 and on puberty blockers more generally. Going forward, the more information you have, the better. Um, and it may well be that there are children who, even at this young age, will benefit from being on the puberty blockers, but there are children who might be harmed. What we're talking about is children with their families making decisions that very possibly are going to have consequences for the rest of their lives. Both UCLH and the Tavistock and Portman Trust said they welcomed new evidence around how to support this group of young people. A Tavistock spokesperson said that the analysis plan for the original study was independently produced by experts in medical statistics. A spokesperson for UCLH said it would work closely with the new National Research Oversight Board to support the collection and analysis of robust data in this area. This new analysis isn't peer-reviewed yet. Dr Hilary Cass's team, which is reviewing children's gender identity services, told us it would be taking it into account, along with an updated evidence review, when making its final recommendations later this year. The NHS is hoping to improve our understanding of puberty blockers in new clinical research. That can only benefit everyone, those who might be helped and those who might be harmed.